What's up, everyone? It's Kirby Porter, and welcome to another episode of Court to Corporate. We're sitting down with athletes, discussing their personal playbooks, and diving deeper into how it's translated to success and lessons outside the game and in the business world. Hey, so today we'll be talking about the journey to the crossroads that I think a lot of athletes face at a mid-major level. When you're stepping into your senior year and you're an individual that has the potential and has the opportunity to continue to play, it comes down to following your passion that has been at the core of your identity for however many years versus choosing a path forward that may be more practical and secure. Today our guest is an analyst at Morgan Stanley and a professional hockey player that has miraculously continued to do both. But when Chelsea Zadie stepped foot on campus in fall of 2014, the National Women's Hockey League had actually not been founded yet. And when she hung up her jersey last February, she was convinced that that was that. As you'll hear today, her unique journey back to the game gives us a deeper dive into why her ability to parallel path ultimately allowed her to take advantage of both opportunities. Today, we'll talk about the realities and how she managed her obligation to her team while interning, the mindset and tips that allows her to continue to do both now at the highest level, and her advice to fellow athletes that are now at the crossroads. We start with discussing the founding of the National Women's Hockey League. I think that in the early stages, we were all really excited about the potential that the league might have. But at the same time, when you think about something that's in its startup founding years, you don't really know what's going to happen. We had no idea whether the league would have a second season or a third, and now it's in its fourth. We had no idea what the potential would be for us after we graduated. And one of the most exciting parts about it was that this was the first league where women were being paid to play professional hockey. But then that begs the question, how much are they being paid? And is that enough for mm-hmm. an actual career to live? And that was more of the, the issues that we had to wrestle with. Right. So, I mean, obviously, new, new doors are being open. And just at a base level, you now have the choice. Like, you, you don't know how it's yeah. going to pan out, but you have that option in the back of your head. So... I guess throughout your journey, sophomore year is fresh, but year over year, was there a point in time beyond that moment of the announcement that you either identified the desire to want to play at the next level or knew that you had the potential to do so? I had some, so after that year, that that sophomore year was the first year and one of our seniors from the previous year was playing for the Boston Pride. So having a Harvard teammate play professionally, that was the first ever player and having that reference point to talk to her about it and how she was doing and how she liked the league that was really exciting but at the same time she also had a day job so all of the players almost almost all of the players all have jobs during the day so this kind of seemed like something that you could do on the side as well. I think that's a great point because I think just having that perspective or being able to see that at the end if this was something that you were to pursue, you also need to kind of parallel path, right? Right. So on your day-to-day, just as a Harvard student, how did you balance that thought of new possibility in the back of your head with, you know, deciding which concentration to pursue or which extracurriculars to add to your resume 
um, just to position yourself for other opportunities? I think one of the things I learned through sports, and I apply it to my life as well, is to play to my strengths. And I loved writing papers, I loved research, so I knew that my concentration should be something where I could do that mostly over taking exams. That's why I chose to concentrate in sociology and I got my secondary in economics. I wanted to be positioned to have, well, one, to have that liberal arts degree so you have a different perspective and it's a little bit different when you're going into an interview than everyone who's a finance major. Right. Uh, but yeah, my, my concentration came pretty early because I took a sociology class my freshman fall and then I liked it, so I took another one my freshman spring and decided to concentrate in that in, in the, the fall of the following year. I wouldn't say that I was overwhelmed, but I really just wanted to focus on school and mm. on hockey to make sure that I could balance both and be yeah. successful <laughs> at it. Because that was really stressful. Um, and only in my sophomore spring did I start with extracurriculars. So that's when I did Smart Women Securities and I started Women in Business as well. So once I knew I would have time or I'd be able to manage my time well enough, that's when I had the, the extracurriculars tacked on. I think that also just kind of applies to your thought process with internships as well. Mm -hmm. um, it was the summer going into your junior year that you interned as an infrastructure technology analyst. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned that you weren't fully exposed to the importance of internships entering your freshman year at Harvard. I guess first, just tell us more about what that moment in time for you was or the people that really started that thought process in your head? Yeah, so that was my sophomore year and I was writing a paper for a class and I had to interview two people. So I ended up interviewing two friends, Patrick Steves and Colby Brown. They were investment bankers. And because of that, I was able to kind of understand how competitive the scene was with relation to getting those jobs and securing jobs after college or even for junior summer. And I would say once I had... Um, an understanding of that I really understood where where to go from there and how important it was and then also when you look at teammates or, or people at school who are doing all of these amazing things you're wondering well why am I not doing that or what should I be doing mm -hmm. you kind of feel like you're falling behind um, and everyone else is ahead of you and I think that's a general <laughs> feeling on campus yeah. anyways but that's I would say that's kind of what piqued my understanding of how things worked but backtracking before that mm -hmm. internship experience specifically you mentioned that the summer before you just trained yep and then then you enter this internship yeah. and there's another layer so yeah how about you tell us just more about what what bouncing that was like and what your day-to-day -day schedule looked like so that summer my first internship I would wake up at six in the morning because I live in the suburbs of Montreal and I would take a train into the city then I would get to the bank for work, I would work my full day, and then I would have to take the subway 12 stops to my gym. My gym workouts are two hours, so that was two hours, four days a week. Wednesdays were my saving grace. <laughs> that was my only off day. Planned strategically. Then, <laughs> yeah. After my workout, I'd take the subway six stops, and then I'd get on the train home. I would eat dinner, and then I would go to bed and wake up at 6 a.m. the next day. So that summer was... <laughs> that summer was not fun at all, uh, but it was such a reality that was I had to do everything I needed for hockey, so I couldn't not train or I couldn't reduce my training if I wanted to be successful, 
And then I also had to perform at work and understand what it means to have a job and what it means to put an effort there too. And that was actually one of the most important summers for me because my freshman year, I didn't play very much. We had three Olympians on our team. We made it to the national championship. We had the most successful season I had um, in my four years, but I knew that I wanted to perform better. So putting in that work with um, my off-ice training was really important because my sophomore year I got the most improved award as well and I started almost every game with uh, Michelle Picard who's a U.S. Olympian so wow. she was my D partner. Wow and I mean I guess it's, it's also just kind of a sneak peek to what it would be like post-grad for you right. if you were to pursue both yep. and so just kind of having that first first wave of you know, what it could look like in two years. What Did you ever think about that as you were going through your internship, or was it just, let me get through the summer, and then yeah. I'll You know, decide. thinking back, I don't think I was thinking about post-college just yet. I yeah. think I was just trying to make it through each day. <laughs> <laughs> yep, very fair. And, okay, so just more on your each day then. So outside of hockey on campus, you mentioned you concentrated in ec and sociology, mm-hmm. Harvard Women in Business, Harvard Women Securities. Mm-hmm. And so with your the internship experiences that you pursued and your current full-time, I think it, it all adds up and there's consistency there. So, right. I mean, what led you to finance in the first place? Was it that exposure to upper class and above you that were in the industry and just learning what their path was like? Or was it more so just through your extracurriculars you learned more about yourself i think it was a combination of both so i think watching the the older classmates was important as well as getting my own education through my extracurriculars but i would say it was my first internship so i was working in infrastructure technology our technology at the bank was for employees, right? Mm-hmm. So when you open up your computer at work and you see your homepage, money goes into that and something else goes into that and that's what we were working on. So all of those back-end technology devices was what we were doing and I wanted to be on the other side of it. So rather than creating them, I wanted to be using them. So I knew I wanted to be client-facing and that kind of led me to my second internship which was in wealth management at Morgan Stanley. And that was a client-facing internship, so I was able to interact with more people and have a better understanding of what happens on that side of the business. And from there, that's when I got my full-time opportunity. So I think it was a combination of of many things. Yeah, and so I think kind of just transitioning to your second internship with Morgan Stanley. The summer before, you had the first taste of both, of doing an internship training for the next season and you came back and you performed right yeah I think as as you progress throughout your career and you become an upperclassman naturally you step into a leadership role or a role in which you need to set the tone and so that summer going into your senior year what was how did you bring that same discipline from the summer before to that summer going into your senior year where it's your last shot? And mm-hmm. did you feel that it was more challenging being in a new role and being in New York? I definitely felt that it was challenging, but at the same time there were things that, that helped. So one, I had to work out on my own. So mm. I wasn't at my gym, I wasn't with my personal trainer, I didn't have all of the tools that we had at that gym, and I had to be much more disciplined to get my workouts in. But the gym was also in the office. So I would go to work, 
or either work out in the morning and go to work or work out in the afternoon and then go home. So in terms of time, I had a lot more time. And then I was also living with my aunt and my uncle and my baby cousin. So when I got home, as I was going to bed pretty early on, but it was a little bit more pleasant um, because I had maybe an extra hour in the day to relax. You're currently at Morgan Stanley now full-time. Can you just tell us more about your current position yeah. and what what it has been like just being in that client-facing role for you? Yeah, I've really enjoyed it so far. What I do is wealth planning, and we have what we call financial advisors, and financial advisors have a lot of clients. So there are 300 financial advisors that I work with. If they need my help, then I help them whenever they need it. And if they have a client who is, let's say, really wealthy and they have um, retirement coming up and they want to buy a boat or a house or they want to sell a house or whatever it is they want to do, I take that information and I put it into a financial plan. I create the financial plan and I present it to the advisor who then gives that plan to their client. That's what I do um, on a daily. But also on a daily, just (laughs) putting myself and all of us in in your shoes for a second. So you're going through one transition and moving to New York, yeah. beginning full-time at Morgan Stanley. Can you just walk us through the time frame in which you're on the first day at the job at Morgan Yeah. to being back in your jersey again at your first practice with the Metropolitan Riveters? Oh, wow. What? So. <laughs> just tell us about that process. Okay. So I retired for a quick three months, I guess. <laughs> a short once, three months. <laughs> once my season ended after senior year in... Uh, late February, I hung up my jersey and I was convinced that that was it for me and that I was, you know, no longer playing. And then Michelle Picard, the uh, Olympian who was my teammate at Harvard, also plays for the Metropolitan Riveters. And she contacted me and she said, Chelsea, do you want to play for us? And I was like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. She said, we really need a defenseman like you. It would be a lot of fun. And this was in June. So a couple weeks later, I signed my professional contract, so this was in the summer, and then July 1st, I moved to New York City. So I'm here in New York, I know that I'm playing, and our season starts in September, mid-September is preseason, and then our first game, I think, was first or second week of October. So I knew that I had the season coming up, but I was in a different mindset at the time because I was retired, so it was kind of like a a quick, I got to get back into it. And uh, I had a lot of fun this past summer with friends and just exploring the city and having all of those experiences. But in a way, I was comforted knowing that I was almost going, it was like going back to school, you know. I knew I would go to work in the same way I would go to class. And then after that, in the evenings, I would have practice and then I would have games on weekends. So moving away for the first time and like permanently leaving, I knew that there was a sense of comfort there and familiarity so that's that's kind of the lead up to to the season yeah so I think just kind of building on that you had the familiarity with the student athlete experience yeah and I think this is the question that you knew was coming how do you do both now where do you what's the biggest difference between college and and now I think the biggest difference is just in college, I remember on Mondays, I would wake up at 11 a.m. because mm-hmm. I had, this was not in, in um, postseason lifts, but this is when we didn't have them, and I would go to class at 12, 12 to 1, and then I would be done for the day, and then you have practice later on in the evening, and I thought my life was so hard. 
I really thought that college was the hardest thing in the world. I was stressed <laughs> about my tests, my exams, this and that, and I was so wrong. Yes. <laughs> real, real life is so much harder, and I think one of those things is when you go into work every day, you're there to perform. You can't just not go in the same way that you can not go to lecture or you can just skip out on a section. Not that I did that very often, but there's a, a sense of importance that this is your job, this is your livelihood, you're getting paid to do this. And that pressure isn't necessarily there in college. So that's one big difference. And I think going um, off of your question of how I do both, it's really a matter of being lucky that my job allows me to do both. So I work a nine to five. And because of that, I'm able to get to practice. So the league is aware that because our salaries are nowhere near comparable to NHL player salaries, even though we are the counterpart um, mm -hmm. to the league, we make so little that they know we have day jobs. So they purposefully, at least with our team, make practices late at night. So we practice from 8.45 p.m. to 10 p.m. Wow. And we only practice two days a week. So that's on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then we always play on weekends. So either Saturday or Sunday, sometimes both. So because of that, my schedule actually works out with it. So I can go to work from 9 to 5. I can come home. I can eat. I take uh, a bus and then a train over to New Jersey because we play out in Newark. And then I get to practice at 7.45, and then I get home around 11. So it's manageable. It's a lot, but it is manageable. I think you just hit on a very important point. I think the, the common lingo in the working world, as we hear all the time, is bring your whole self to work. Right. But I think that you're in such a unique position that the better question is, like, how do you feel being a professional athlete contributes to your work performance. I think you said something that's very important and that it's a different mindset mm -hmm. when this is like actually your job versus, <laughs> oh, I'm, I might go to class today, right? Yeah. So how, I mean, but you still have this additional obligation. So how yeah. do you feel that contributes and adds to your mindset nine to five? A lot of my coworkers are aware that I'm a professional athlete and they're really supportive of it. I signed a poster for one of them and he hangs it up by his desk. Um, and my managers always ask me about my games. So I think on their side, they're supportive of it. And then for me, bringing that mindset to work is a little bit different. I really value being on a team and I think sometimes I can be at work and people might be a little bit individualistic and that kind of brings my perspective into things. So uh, I think one of the reasons companies really value former student athletes is because of their teamwork and their, their value that they place on working well with others or incorporating others or different ideas or whatever it is. So I think I bring that framework to work and being a, a professional athlete just reminds me how important it is to have everyone on the same page. So I have that daily reminder when I go to hockey after work. Yeah, absolutely. I want to bring Michelle back into the picture. Mm -hmm. So when you were a freshman, was she an upperclassman? At yeah, that point? so when I was a freshman, that was in 2014, and she had just come back from Sochi. She was in the Olympics, and she was a silver medalist there, and she was on the U.S. national team. She was our captain. She was a junior captain, and then she was there for my, my sophomore year as well. So we played mm -hmm. two, two years together. She lived in Adam's house. I lived in Adam's house as well, and so did Mie Dench. 
and now the three of us play for the Riveters, and, and Michelle is, is still my D partner, so that's, it's great. That's yeah. amazing. Everything I, came full circle. <laughs> I was Yeah, I was just about to say that. I think it's just such a full circle moment, so yeah. I, I definitely want to just hear more about what just having what was her presence on on campus like for you and how did that build out even after she had graduated and you still had two years left because mm-hmm. obviously you guys have stayed in contact yeah. she really initiated your thought process and continuing to play professionally mm-hmm. so what has that relationship meant to you I love uh, I call her Shelly we usually call her Shelly I love her she's so professional and not in the sense that she doesn't know how to have fun or doesn't make any joke like she's just the epitome of what everyone wants to model themselves after she was in my mind a perfect captain and that doesn't really happen a lot she is one of the hardest workers both on and off the ice she's articulate she knows how to deal with really tough situations she balances the coaching perspective Mm -hmm. and the player perspective and I think she continues to do that. She's also our captain on the Riveters this year as well. So she's everyone's go-to person, and she just got named to Team USA for their series against Canada um, yesterday. So wow. I I got to play with her. That's kind of the way I see it. I get to learn from her. I get to be her her student, if you will, and, and that's really something that means a lot to me because she's the perfect person to learn from. Absolutely. Um, so just to close out, what is your advice to athletes that are at the crossroads? Um, and I think that really ranges from the athletes that are a senior in high school mm-hmm. choosing what hand is next yeah. to the rising senior in college that has real-life decisions approaching. So mm-hmm. what is your advice to them in navigating you know, which path to pursue? I think it's more about having as many paths to choose from as possible. So... In my perspective, you don't want to narrow it down to this is the only thing I want to be in life and have no other options. And it's not to say that you can't pursue a dream and, you know, I'm not saying have a fallback plan, but I'm saying have multiple plans. And for me, that was, I I became a professional hockey player after I had graduated, not intentionally. So my plan was to continue into more of a corporate role, into a corporate career, and then I was able to do both because of that. Um, that time that I had, my nine to five type of thing. So I would say, you know, pursue your passions, pursue your sports, whatever it is you want to do, but also make sure that you're a well-rounded person and that you're doing extracurriculars. And if you think you don't have time, then make the time. When people tell me they don't have time, I'm like, yes, you do. You just have to make it. Rearrange your schedule, realign your priorities, and you can do it. And I think that's something that I've, I've done pretty well. Um, when I look back on my college career and even now, it's just like managing my time and prioritizing things and, and realizing that there's always going to be a way if you want there to be a way. So that's that's my advice is, is to really delve into what you want to do, but to make sure that you're aware that there are multiple paths and, and, and to put yourself um, on whichever one makes the most sense at the time. section of your thoughts and any topics you'd like to hear discuss. We'd love for you to join us on Instagram and LinkedIn to stay in the know and keep up to date with our community. The information for both of those handles will be in the episode description. Thanks again, hope you enjoyed, and we'll be back for another one soon.